Well, I think before we start anything, I would like to say happy, happy new year to you all. How do you feel about this year, 2024? Joyful, excited, scared? <laughs> it's going to be an amazing year, I promise you. For us here at the Vivify Church, it is our year of the Genesis. And we mean that in every sense. God is starting a new work in us, through us, for our generation. And for those of you who have been in the faith, some of you have been saved since you were 12. Some of you since you were born, you were saved. As far back as you can remember, you've been born again. And there's just a thing like, how do I keep up this energy every single year? I'm telling you, God can make it fresh again. It may not be new to you, but it can be fresh. Amen. Hallelujah. Before we get into the word, I'm seeing some very new faces. I want to celebrate you. Thank you for coming. And it's so good to see you, sir. It's been a while. It's been a while. So good to see you. Um, please don't run after service. Let's hug and celebrate with you. Amen. Before we start the teaching, there's some things that I want to share with you towards the new year. This year will come with its challenges, as every year does. And when you think about it, this is, how do I explain it? The year is new, but it's not really new. There's this energy everyone comes with that it's a new year with new resolutions. I can make it in life. I can do this. And I love that energy. It, it, it's truly, I think it's something that God has done that we can mark fresh beginnings in our lives. But don't think that anything will change from last year to this new year if some decisions are not made. Are you with me? There's no anointing for the new year. No special anointing. That when you walk into 2020, ah, glory. Everything is different. No, it, it's, it boils down to the decisions that you make. Amen. This year, there are four things I want to encourage you to do. And you know, I think it's really important for the work we have to do. But before I do that, I want to say a big thank you to some of the amazing people that I've had the privilege to do life and church with. I want to celebrate the deacons of the Vivify Church. These men and women are phenomenal. These are the kind of people you want in your corner. Amen. Amen. I want to celebrate every one of you. The things we did last year blew our minds. I cannot lie. When the Lord told us, like Pastor Chisholm had said, by the way, you look gorgeous, baby. Have you noticed he likes to do uncool? Have you noticed? <laughs> you look beautiful. Amen. Can someone maybe move her to the back? Because it's going to be a distraction. Honestly. Yeah, block. Thank you. Cover the glory. <laughs> but I want to say a big thank you to the deacons of this church. You are amazing. Thank yous will never be enough. The sacrifices, the traveling, oh my goodness. And if I, one, of, one of our deacons went through a very difficult time just at the end of this year, and to see him show up every time, it's incredible. It's, not, it's a miracle, let me be honest. It's not a natural thing. So I celebrate every one of you, those of you here, those of you online, thank you so much. And also the workforce of this ministry. Those of you who have said, look, I will serve, 
out of the, the love that I have for the Lord, I will serve God and his people. I want to say a big thank you to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being very consistent. And I want to say a big thank you to the Lord for the work we have started. Like Pastor Jesus said, we, we did. <laughs> the Lord told us November 12 to start church. Check the calendar. It was a Sunday, mid-sense. <laughs> if it were Tuesday, I'm like, hmm. we shall do it, but thank God. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, in the background, people encouraged us or rather discouraged us to not do it. Move it to 2024. Are you sure you have enough resources? But you people are very small. When did you start? Are you sure you'll be able to? <laughs> and I took the wise counsel with one hand. I took God's word on the other hand. And I said, Lord, we will wrestle with your word. If it's true, we trust you to provide. And he did. In abundance. Praise the name of Jesus. Can you just celebrate the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so those four things that I wanted to tell you. Number one is this. I want to encourage you. This is, I've not said this before, but I want to say it today. The first thing I want to encourage you to do this year, I want you to increase your influence on social media. You didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> I'll explain why. Just so you know, social media has come to stay. It has come to stay. And if there's any easy way or fast way to make influence, it's on social media. There's, there are actual jobs now for influencers. Do you know that? You know that, right? Yeah. It's an actual thing. That through your lifestyle, through your words, through your conduct, you can influence a larger audience across the world that you've never met and cause them to do things in certain ways. Do you know that? Some of you, the clothes you're wearing is because you saw an influencer wear that. The slang you use is because... <laughs> some of you have used some risky slangs, if you know what I mean. Risky. Bob, Bob Risky. Okay, you didn't get it. But you got your language from there. It's so, it's so powerful. If we are going to do larger things this year for the gospel, you truly want people to know who you are and what you know, social media is the place. At least one of the places. Amen. I tried to run away from it for the longest time. I remember 2015, 16, 17, I was so proactive. I would post this. And then when the Lord told me to take a fast from social media, 2020, and thankfully that was COVID year, so it saved me a lot because there was so much nonsense in social media. And since that time, I never went back. But I knew it was important, and so I had to get all the help I needed to make it possible. Right now, I'm not on social media, but I'm on social media. If you know, you know. <laughs> but it's important. Are you with me? Please, by all means, protect your mental health as much as you can, but there are people that need you for their spiritual health. This year, do better with your social media. Let us see. Don't hide it. Loud Jesus, carry him on your head. Let us go to your bio, see the first, what are the first three things on your bio? Let me ask you, should I, should I make you uncomfortable? <laughs> Is everyone here on social media? Very good. And by social media, I don't just mean WhatsApp. Oh. Let's be clear. You're on Instagram. How many of you are on TikTok? See, TikTok. <laughs> I hope you know that's the Google for Gen Z's and Alphas. 
That's their Google. If they want to know anything about anything, they go there. And someone was talking to me, a brother in the faith, and he said, TikTok is demonic. And I said, hmm, why? Tell me, explain to me, sir. He said, you, you see the content they're putting out there? They're they affecting children everywhere. Children are confused about their gender, their sexuality. I said, at the end of the day, to be honest, I get what you're saying. But social media is only a tool. It's a canvas. And you decide what you paint on with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? TikTok. I'm on TikTok, by the way. <laughs> by force, by fire. I think I had 20 followers when I first joined. Now it's 100. Thank God. Thank God for growth. <laughs> but when I saw someone, I'm not even joking, and sadly this person is wrestling with their faith in Christ. But when they first joined TikTok, they put up a post. I'm so excited to see other fellow Christians on TikTok. Guess how many views? This person has 200 followers. Guess how many views they had? 600,000. 600,000 people saw that post across the... Do you know what that means? Sometimes it shocks me what trends and what doesn't trend. The things you expect to trend, they will not trend. Then you wonder, you're just like, let me just... You now see one million views. Ah! Be intentional about growing your influence on social media. I know you use your WhatsApp status. That's good and kind. But the broader audience across the world, let them see what you know. Are you following me? If you need help, let's help you do it. We'll curate it. We'll brand you. But your social media must, must be a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Are you with me? Will you try this year? Will you do better? I want many of you to... I want you to be influencers for the gospel. Solid influencers. When they see, ah, this is uh, five people. Ah, but this, ah, ah. Let's choke them. Amen. Choke them with the truth. Glory to God. Second thing I want to encourage you to do, and it's from a prophecy from our transition service. I want you, I'll say it as God told me, for the work that we have to do, your nine to five will not be enough. I'll explain. <laughs> I'll explain. Well, having a job and a nine to five is very good, very, very great. But one of the fastest ways to scale your income is business. I'm sure you can agree with me, right? Some of you have business, and it's not for everyone, to be honest. But for as many of you that have business ideas, you know that this one, ah, if it's to sew clothes, I can sew. This one, oh, if it's to are you with me? Even if it's, to, if it's to be a consultant, I can consult. Are you following me? Start your businesses. Make it big. Blow it up. Many of you, you are so shy. You're like, let me just do it for my friends. And for, it's a lie. Not this year. Let the boldness of the Lord carry you to launch those businesses. And I'm, I'm saying this prophetically. When you align yourself to God's will in this way, he will bless you. Amen. By the anointing on this ministry, I want, to, I want to agree with you. Start that business. And watch and see what happens. It can be a consulting firm. It can be a fashion designing thing. It can be a voiceover thing. It can be graphic design. Blow it up. Loud it. The Lord is with you. Amen. Glory to God. And number three, and very importantly, I want you this year to track your growth. Track your spiritual growth. 
a lot of us can get very carried away and very indifferent about our journey. But you know how 2023 went? Did you pray enough last year? Did you pray consistently? Did you study the word joyfully and regularly last year? How many disciples did you make for the, for the glory of God? How many disciples? So I want you to know where you are coming from and what needs to be done to get to where you need to be this year. This year, if I'm to pray better, this is what I need to do. If I'm to study more, this is what I need to do. Are you with me? Track your growth. Track it consistently. Did I love enough last year as I should? Prioritize your love work this year. Amen. Glory to Jesus. The last thing I'll say is get help. For many of us, and one thing I've realized is that, um, not just in this generation to be fair, but I think because this generation is more vocal about these things, now we get to know that a lot of us have mental challenges. Let me put it that way. A lot of mental challenges. Things you've carried since you were a child. And you were silenced, you were quieted, you carried this baggage for so long, nobody knows about it, or maybe a few people do, and you still struggle with it. This year, it must stop. I am a, I'm a, pro, I'm a what's the word? I'm a proponent for the power of God. I am, a, I am a strong believer that God can heal, God can mend broken hearts, but I'm also a, a champion for therapy. If you need therapy... <laughs> Go get the help you need. And, and by the grace of God, we're trying to start to make some partnerships with some of these organizations we trust so that if we know there is a need, we just channel you in the right direction. Amen. I think it's important. Get the help you need. And it could also be godly counsel. Don't do this life and this year by yourself. Get help. Get someone to give you some direction. You need mentoring. You need counseling in the faith. Amen. You need accountability. Praise the name of Jesus. But more so this year, even though statistically 9% of people who set New Year resolutions achieve them. 9% though. Only 9%, only 9% achieve the goals they set in a year. But I think what sustains us as, as believers is not just resolutions, but revelations. And I mean it, like when, when you know what your priorities are for the year and you understand it and God by his spirit reveals it to you, this is what needs to be done. That's what will carry you throughout the year. So more than New Year resolutions, go for what? New Year revelations, amen. Let the priorities of the Lord guide you this year. The things you need to drop, drop. The things you need to carry, carry. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I'm so glad to be back in church, to be with you. How are the last couple of Sundays, two Sundays in a row, how are they for you? Yeah? Great. I want to celebrate the team who, uh, who handled the panel sessions. You guys did amazing. Can you celebrate them? You did amazing. I, I had to be away for my brother's wedding. It was, was beautiful, it was emotional, it was a lot of things. And I happened to double as the best man and MC. It's not easy. And from the words of my brother, he said, I, I, I made it the best wedding he's ever had. I, not like he's going to have another one. Oh, he has had another one before, but you get the point. Uh, 
Um, and it was such a great time um, being with them. Um, but I'm back. I'm ready. And I am excited for all God is going to do with us and through us. Amen. Amen. So just as we've said, I want you to be alert. I want you to be ready for your growth. This teaching series we're about to dive into, I was trying to compress it into one month. Let's just do it January. Then, you know, February, we go into the month of love. And everybody, oh, let's help your marital destiny. But the Lord said, calm down. They need to know the foundations of their faith. And so, in fact... If we don't do this series in the month of March, it would be a miracle. <laughs> because there's so much to cover. Amen. And many times you think you know, but do you really know? There's always so much more to know about God and his love. Amen. This series will ground you more than ever before. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. For those of you who fluctuate in your walk with the Lord, does he love me? Does he not love me? This series will change that forever. Amen. It's not a prayer point. If you are partnering with us and you are alert and ready to grow, that's exactly what will happen. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before we start this teaching, I want us to do something very special. And I want to ask, if you can, to rise up with me. There's a a psalm I want us to read, but it's such a sacred psalm. I, I I want us to act like it really is. Such a powerful psalm, Psalm 103. Very powerful psalm. And we read this a lot during our Crazy Love conferences, but I want us to, I want us to read this. Oh, precious Jesus, how we love you. We cherish you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Oh, glory to God. Are you there? Psalm 103. Are you there? Glory to God. Let's, let's read from verse 1. We're going to read it together. Or I think we can alternate. I'll read verse 1 and read verse 2. But let the words sink deep. Amen. No mindless reading. I read together. All right. One to go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And you say... What are these benefits? He's the one who forgives all your iniquities. Oh, he heals all your diseases. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Oh. Can you read verse 8 again? One, two, go. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. For as far as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Glory to God. And as the father pities his children, 
So the Lord pities those who fear him. Verse 14. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he, nor he flourishes. Let's read verse 17 together. One, two, go. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them precious jesus thank you for your word thank you for the magnanimity of your grace and how abundant it is we are grateful as far as the east is from the west as high as the heavens are from the earth as how far you've taken our transgressions away from us oh oh you are so kind god as we study your word, let that be all we see. Your goodness, your kindness, your mercy that endures forever. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Have your seats. Have your seats. Wasn't that a powerful sound? Oh my goodness. If you read this every day, your life will be better. <laughs> I promise. Grace like a flood. We've started a, a teaching series called Charis. Say Charis. And what it simply means is grace. I'll explain it all. Don't worry. This teaching for today is grace like a flood. Can you shout it at me? Grace like a flood. Grace like a flood. Hallelujah. Let me start with a story. Story of two children. The first one was this child from a well-to-do home. Actually, found out about the story in a movie. So this guy was, you know, from a well-to-do home, an only child, parents who were so philanthropic, they loved so hard, but they wanted to have another child and they couldn't. They tried for a long time. And so they went to a foster home and they found this child there, this young boy as well, um, similar in age to their own son. And they loved him. They just wanted to take him in, but he was such a strange child. Because where he grew up from, he, was, he grew up from a home, he's been from foster home to foster home, and the one before this, in fact, the family, they were military people, like the father was a military man, so he was the kind of man that demanded decorum, demanded discipline. You have to be this way, and you are never enough. You know those kinds of parents, right? And no matter what this guy did, it was never enough. And soon enough, he started to accept that fact. I'm not enough. He called me stupid. Maybe I'm stupid. He called me, you know, he said I'll never amount to anything in life. Maybe that's who I am. And so this guy started to act out. Started to act out like that. that maybe there's just no good in me. Maybe I'm just worthless. Maybe there's nothing good about me, nothing to write home about. And so he lived that way for a long time. And then here are these parents who just see him and like, oh, you just love you. There's just something about you. We want to take you home. They signed the adoption papers. They brought him to their house. And then he gets home. And guess what? He starts to do and act the way he always knew. And so he was just rebellious. He would break the plate. Mm -hmm. He'll steal money. Mm -hmm. 
something peculiar started to happen. Unlike his previous house where they would flog him, where they would abuse him verbally and physically, these guys would say, ah, you shouldn't have done that. Come, come, come. Imagine he broke the plates. Ah, are you okay? Oh, no, no, leave the plate. It's fine. <laughs> Not in Africa. <laughs> you break plates. Ha. Ah. He said, come, are you okay? Come, it's fine, it's okay. And the guy was like, ah. You saw the, you can see the plate, Abby. Okay, this is new. And then he rebels again, and they shower him with love. And the son who was always there would just be watching, ah. You know, they, am I a spoon? And then one day, it came to a time where the parents were going to buy a bike. You know, it was Christmas. They wanted bike gifts for the children. They knew they both wanted bikes. And the, the older brother was like, ah, I've been a good boy all along. I've not misbehaved. I'll probably get a better gift, maybe a bike and more. You know? Yes. <laughs> and then look at my, my other brother. The guy is just, I don't even know. I don't even know what they see in him. And that day comes... They unwrap their gifts. Guess what? Both of them get bikes. And the first guy was so furious. Like, what on earth? Why? Like, this guy does not deserve this gift and this love. Aren't you guys seeing? This guy is a pretender. Can't you see it? Ah! And then the parents look at him and ask him a question. Do you think you deserve to be in our house. Do you think you deserve the kind of parents that you got? If we're talking about what we deserve, at the end of the day, we don't deserve the good things that we have in our lives because we are not perfect. And the guy was just looking at them. Eh, even though, upon still. <laughs> do you know what he, do you know what, when you, you are not around, do you know what this guy did? And he said, see, and when I, when I watched that, that scene, it just reminded me of a story in the Bible that you all know all too well. Prodigal son. At the end of the day, do we, do we deserve God's goodness? And if, we, if there's a way to earn God's goodness, how do we go about it? We've grown up in such religious you know, environments where it is you do this to get that. It's transactional. And to be fair, there are many things in life that are very transactional. When it comes to friendships, relationships, marriage, work is important too. Your performance is important, I know, from experience. It's imp- you must work. <laughs> hey, or it will not work. But it's important. But when we come into the family of God and when we come into the idea of God's goodness, we have to start thinking differently. Are you with me? I'll piggyback on this story much later. When you think about it, what grace means at its very core is unmerited favor. That's what charis means. Unmerited. You didn't merit it. 
And I give you this example um, at the inaugural service where you have two people that have studied, you know, you know, they are preparing for an exam that's supposed to come the next week. The first guy's been jacking, jack on the beanstalk, you know. This guy has been going to the library, studying, carry test book. You know those people now in school, carry test book. You can read, you put your leg inside water, you eat chingong, everything you can to read and study hard. And then the other guy, who is his roommate, so that, this guy, he owns too much, Jerry, I beg. Where my FIFA, I beg. Let's, I beg, let's tap small FIFA. And then he's playing games, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's not even caring. The night before, prepares for the exam by answering last year's past question. And then at the, <laughs> when they go to the exam day, the guy who had been reading textbooks and all of that did all the past questions except last year. They both come to the exam hall, and one of them is smiling, and it's not the guy that studied hard. <laughs> and you see the results. That guy gets an A, then the one that studied hard missed a lot of topics because he didn't do last year's question and got a C. What would he say? That's unfair. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't. But you see what God's idea of grace is, is at the end of the day, he wants everyone to be able to say that I never deserved it. He wants all of us to admit that all the credit belongs to him. There's a beautiful story of grace that I love to portray, and it's this. It's the difference between a religious heart and the one who understands grace. Imagine we're going on a trip, on a boat trip. And, you know, we're trying to have an adventure, a nice vacation. And then somehow a storm emerges. And everywhere is boisterous. It's shaking. You're about to die. And then somehow you fall over of the side of the boat into the water. And thankfully I'm there. Amen. And so I go and I grab it. Grab my hand. Grab my hand. And I, no. And you grab hold, and I'll pull you in. Because, you know, I, I work out, you know. And I... What have you been eating? <laughs> and then I bring you into the boat. And you're like, hey, thank you. And the people on the other side, reporters, heard about the situation. And they came. Oh, hello, Mr. John. What happened? What happened? We heard about the, the, you know, the capsizing of the boat and how you fell over. Tell us what happened. The religious spirit will say, well, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it was just a small boat shake. It was not, uh, it was not that serious. I, I mean, it happens to everybody, you know. If you just, I fell over to the side of the boats, you know, and, uh, you know, and then they thank, thank, you know, my guy was there, so, you know, I was like, bring your hand, and then I now grabbed his hand, I now pulled myself, you know, because I, I work out, and I pulled myself into the boat, you know, it's not easy, I know, I know, it's not easy, but, but that's how it happened. The religious spirit, the one who has to do to gain. And then you look at the second, imagine Mr. John was someone who understood grace. He would speak like this, oh, guys, let me catch my breath. See, it's not about anything I could do. If this guy was not, I would have died, though. Ah, he, 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 
In fact, thank you, thank you, my brother. Thank, he grabbed me and pulled me into the boat. It was not anything I did, it was because he did it. Two different perspectives. Same story. When we think about the grace of God, you need to think not of myself, but of God. Amen. Hallelujah. But this is how it all started. And this is why we call it unmerited favor. I'm going to explain a concept to you. But I'm going to use... I'm trying to give you a lot of illustrations so that it makes sense to you. You know, we, growing up, I'd always been... I don't want to say goody to... Okay, let me say it. I was always a goody to shoes. I was always the kind of person that tried to be so that I could get... I was always the kind of person that wanted to portray this perfect image and look the part. And then I thank God for revelation. Now I know that that's not the case. You can have a tap that's golden, nice, nicely gold-plated, but what comes out of it is dirty water, right? You've seen those taps before. I have plenty of them. But then there are also times where on the outside, it doesn't look perfect, but what comes out is clean. And that reminded me of how powerful salvation is. It's not an outside-in where you try to make the state of your heart something good by how you look and how you perform and how you act. It's about what God does on the inside and then that starts to reflect outside. It's an inside-out thing. Amen. But this is where it all started. There's bad news, guys. It's really bad news. And I'll explain it this way. Imagine a court ruling. Imagine a court ruling, and the judge is there, and there's a man who is being accused. He's put on, this, on the stand. He's committed some crimes. Let's call him Mr. Lagbaja. Anybody with that name here? Okay, we're good. Mr. Lagbaja is a terrible criminal. He's been accused of one count of murder in the first degree, two counts of sexual assault, and one count of theft. So the story behind this is that there were two sisters they were going to the market late at night or they're coming back from the market and Mr. Lagba just saw an opportunity. He couldn't control his impulses and he grabbed hold of these two people, physically assaulted them. Thankfully, one of the sisters ran away but sadly the other one was there and Mr. Lagba had his way with her. So the other one came to tell the story. And not just did he have his way, he killed her. Sad story. And then now they're in the court. And this is the judge. Who wants to volunteer? Let's act this out. You want to? Please come, come along. So you're going to be the sister of the murdered victim. Who is going to be Mr. Lagbaja? Volunteer yourself. Just so you know, this is going to be on tape forever on, on YouTube. So no pressure. Mr. Lagbaja, any takers? Okay, okay, okay. Yes, please. <laughs> Put your hands together for her. Let's pretend. Yes, let's just pretend. All right, so I'm the judge. You stay. Hmm, how do we do this? Okay, you stay here at this side. And then you stay here. Uh, is this going to make sense? Okay, yes. But let's not back the audience. So how, yes, exactly. 
Good? You can see our faces. All right. So, is there a second mic? This one? Is it long enough? Okay, you know what? I will just hand you mine. Can you reach over? Nah. Can it? Oh. Ooh. Perfect. Okay. So now what's going to happen is I'm the judge. And then you're going to tell me all that happened. And then you're going to be the Mr. Lagbaja. You're going to defend yourself. What I need you to do, let me tell you what you do. All right, are we ready? Lights, camera, the stage is set. Action. Um, I want to celebrate the court. Uh, is that how they say it? <laughs> I sound like a pastor judge. Uh, um, let's uh, proceed with the rulings. So what is your complaint, madam? We just went outside hmm. to... We're just going to buy something, and then this man just came from nowhere, and he just grabbed us. And thankfully, I was able to escape. But my sister, I don't even know what he did to her. I think she's dead, and it's all because of him. Please, please hold her, hold her, lady, hold her, hold her. Thank you. Uh, someone get her some tissue. Um, Mr. Lagbaja, you've heard the accusations against you. Yes, my lord. And they are true. And they are true. Even as I'm hearing this, I'm shaking. What do you, what do you have to say about this? My lord, this? you don't need to shake or fret. Those were in my past. The devil used me. Unfortunately, it led to our death. But now, I'm a new being. I give to the charity. I come to church regularly. I don't do such anymore. My Lord, accept me. My Lord, I'm saying the truth. That was in the past. I didn't know she was even going to die. But sorry for your condolences. <sighs> you know what, just give me a moment. Let me, let me just... Uh... Ah... But I, I think I think all of us can understand, you know. You know, in the moment of weakness, these things happen. Um, I think I think we should let Mr. Lagbaja go. In fact, acquitted. Court. Thank you. Put your hands together. For that was amazing improv, by the way. That was so good. Well done. High five. Thank you. By the way, we're starting our drama club soon. I'm joking. <laughs> Hopefully in the future. But imagine that story. Some of you heard that. And maybe even if it's close to home, maybe you've, you've had an There's something in you that's just going to cry out. What? Eh? Ah. Kikiski. TikTok generation. Uh, <laughs> but something in you will scream. 
how unfair that is un that's injustice how can you as a judge see someone and a family being hurt what about my sister what about my parents that love this girl she had just graduated she was about to do her phd she just finished her masters oh my goodness and just like that and you're right because God has put something within every one of us. A sense of justice. Where if someone wrongs your friend, you want to stand up for them. Amen. Do I have witnesses? Even if they are wrong and it's secret, you safe, you safe. But in public, hey, don't talk. If you talk to my I don't if you talk to my hey, if you talk to my friend, you know there's just that passion that justice must be served. People who are good should be praised and rewarded and celebrated but those who do wrong should what they should be punished and we have this beautiful picture of god and isaiah talks about it that god is highly exalted in his justice he is a just god can you say god he's a just god he is and that's where the bad news is Romans chapter 3. Let's read from verse 21. Are you learning something today? It's only just started. Romans chapter, chapter 3. Praise Jesus. Are you there? Um, one second, sorry, not 21. Yeah, we're going to read from verse 11 to verse... Oh, yeah, this is crazy. From 11 to 18, I'll read it very quickly. This is what it says. There is... Sorry, from verse 10, I beg your pardon, 10 to 18, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of us is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Does this in any way sound like someone you know? In many ways, this sounds like me. Probably sounds like you. We didn't always seek after God. We didn't always want to do what is righteous. And we make mistakes. In fact, to summarize it, verse 23 says this. Read it together with me. One, two, go. Oh, that's terrible. We've all sinned. And if I'm going to ask the question, is there anyone here who, before God and man, has not sinned in their entire life? Right now, raise up your hand so we can crown you Deputy Holy Spirit. <laughs> no one like that. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. 
And if we're going to stand before the court of God, who is the just judge of the universe? The question then is, what do we deserve? Let me paint this picture for you. Mary, if I were to slap you, sorry, I know you, yeah, yeah. If I were to slap you, just like that, we're arguing, I just slapped you. What will you do to me? Now, don't think of me as Pastor Kenneth. We're just, we're, <laughs> we're in class. I was your classmate. We're arguing. I slapped you. What would you do? Let's hear. You collect. Yeah, she just said, you collect, for sure. Oh, for sure. She will give backhand, fronthand. She will slap back, yeah? Now, imagine you are in school and the chancellor of your school is giving a speech. Uh, okay, let me not. <laughs> oh, God, forgive me. <laughs> okay, let me. The vice chancellor of the school, you know, uh, I want to congratulate you all on this hospicious occasion. And, uh, and then, you know, <laughs> and he's giving his speech, you know, congressional speech, and you just ran up the stage of the school. Pie! Unprovoked. What punishment do you expect? Let me hear your answers. Expulsion. The highest mercy they'll give you is expulsion. I'm sure other things will come in play. Imagine you are in your office. Your manager was there. Your manager is just a toxic boss. Nothing is ever right. And you were fed up. You, you, I, I, I don't know. I've done everything for this company. I've sacrificed. You don't get it. Well, you're not good enough. You can always do better. Eh? Pah! And there was silence. What punishment do you expect? Eh? <laughs> You'll be fired. Right? Now imagine you're a journalist. You finally, you want in, maybe this was the time of Obama, you know, when he was president of the U.S. And you're a very respected president. People loved him. You always wanted to meet him. You wanted to interview him. How does he live? How does he do his things? How does he lead a country? And then you finally got a meeting with him, and he's sitting opposite you. This is Obama. This is me. And I'm about to interview him. And somehow, I just stood up. I don't know what happened. Walked over to Obama and slapped him. What kind of punishments can you imagine? If they don't shoot you on sight for being a threat to national security, they would imprison you, for sure. Right? I just wanted to see something. There's a progression. Depending on who you offend, the degree of the punishment increases. Did you notice? Now we're talking, oh. We're talking about this great God we have offended. The Bible says we have all fallen short. This God who is just, 
who is righteous, he must give us what we deserve. An eternal God, not bound by space, time, mass, nothing, not matter. And he's supposed to give you the punishment you deserve. What punishment do you deserve? Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. It is. And not just death, if, you, if it were just a death where you die in the physical, maybe you say that's bad enough. But an eternal one, eternal separation from God, eternal punishment. And he's just. He's just in doing that. Do you agree with me? It's what we deserve. But then the Bible tells us that God is both just and merciful. Let me read some scriptures to you quickly. Or I'll just call them out to you. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh man, I'm out of time. So on justice, Psalm 89 verse 14. You can read it when you get back. It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Right? But Psalm 138 verse Psalm 136, I beg your pardon, verse 2 says, Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Ephesians 2, 45 says, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Powerful scripture. So how is it possible that a just God who is esteemed in his justice, is the foundation of his throne, how can he also show you mercy? Jesus. It was with Jesus' sacrifice that mercy and justice were satisfied fully. That God can, and, and that's what mercy means, by the way. Mercy means not getting what you deserve. Grace means getting what you didn't deserve. Do you understand the difference? Mercy is, you deserve something, no, but you didn't get it. As an act of mercy, you deserve punishment, but you didn't get it. And grace is that you didn't deserve forgiveness and favor, yet somehow you got it. And so God, looking at you, sees you deserve punishment. The Bible says, whosoever believes in him will not, what, perish. That penalty, that perishing, I am not going to give it to you Instead, I will give it to someone else. And the only way legally that can happen is something called substitutionary atonement. We're going to talk about that in this series. Don't worry. I'll make it as simple as possible. But that someone else is paying your debts. And legally, you can be granted freedom. You can be acquitted. That because someone paid and overpaid, I can be set free. He paid your bail in full. And legally, between you and God, you can be set free. Amen. Oh, that's powerful stuff. It says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what you've received. Where you deserved death, condemnation, shame, guilt, severance from God. What did you get? You got acceptance. You got eternal life. You got forgiveness because of Jesus. Glory to Jesus. 
See, this is so fundamental that if you don't understand this, you can't build a relationship with God. You can't. You will struggle to accept the fact that God loves you after what you just did. It's such a mess that you think you are. How is God just so gracious to you? Praise the name of Jesus. But God is kind, isn't he? Bible says he is rich in mercy. Oh, I had some stories to share, but time won't permit me. But it reminds me of the story of this guy called Barabbas. When I read that story, I'm just in awe that a man who was deemed to be a criminal, a murderer, he was put side by side with someone who had healed people, raised people from the dead. He didn't kill, he actually brought people back to life. He didn't steal, he gave and fed 5,000. And they put this guy beside this wonderful man. And they say, you know what? You people decide. On this day of the feast, we are going to release one person. Who should we crucify? Who should we release? And guess what these traitors say? Crucify Jesus. Crucify him. Ah, wait, wait, sorry. And you people hear me? I said, I clear distinction, right? This is a beautiful, righteous man. And a murderer. It should not even be a debate. We want the murderer. Bring him. He's our friend. <laughs> ah, people can be foolish. And then this guy who was certain he was going to be put to death. Life for life. He had taken life so his time for his life. He was so sure. And then, you know, that day, they obeyed the people's wishes. I can just imagine Barabbas going back home to whatever is left of his family. Just strolling like my shackles are gone. Then he meets with his family. Ah, Barabbas, what just happened? What just happened? Ah, all I know is that I was once bound, shackled, but now because of one man, I'm free. That's all that I know. And there's nothing that speaks more of grace than that. It's powerful. It's powerful. You have to abolish the mindset that there's something you can do to earn God's favor because you can't. And I found a lot of people doing that. And subconsciously, even when we give in our generosity, it's, it trickles in. Ah, if I want to see prosperity in my life, I need to do something. You know, that kind of, you know, when you drop something and, and heaven account shakes more. I need to do something to move heaven, to move God. And subconsciously, what you're doing is saying, look, these blessings though, that you're going to give me are coming to me only because I earned it by my giving. It's subtle. But you're going back to the ways of the law, where it's performance-based. Make no mistake, your relationship with God is performance-based, but not how you think. Not on your side of the scale anyways. His side of the equation. He worked for you. Before he asked for your service, he first served you on the cross. Bible says in Romans 8, while we're yet sinners, what did Christ do? He died for us. Ah, yeah. He died for you when you were in rebellion. When you spoke against him. When you blasphemed his name, not just by saying bad things, but by your actions. He still loved you and still loves you now. Ah, my goodness. That is the God you serve.
Let me wrap up this teaching. <coughs> I'll just give you five, five points on grace. Or is it four? Five. Four, five facts about grace. This one is very, very, very important, but also very easy. If it is earned, it is not grace. That's point number one. If it is earned, it is not grace. What does Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 say? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And we talked about it. Can you put it on the screen? Okay, it's there. Perfect. Go to verse 8. This, this, if you can memorize this, oh, it will help. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. If it's not a gift, it is not grace. Did you hear me? If it's not freely given, it's not grace. That not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. God doesn't want you to boast in your flesh. He also wants you to put confidence in your flesh, but confidence in his work on the cross. That if you're going to stand before God in prayer, after you've had a mess of a year or a mess of a week, and you're like, God, I don't know if I can come before you. But I'm here anyways, not because of who I am or what I have done, but because of who you are and what you've done. Your relationship with God is based on faith and faith alone, not your feelings, not your actions. If it was not your actions that got you saved in the first place, it's not your actions that sustain the relationship or the love of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to bring a balance to this. There's always a balance in terms of where your part is to play and where works come in. But fundamentally, when it comes to your relationship with the Father, it is your faith in what He's done that glues you together. Amen. Say, my faith is in Christ alone. Not in my works, not in my flesh, not in my performance. In Christ alone. Hallelujah. So if you have to work for it, it is not grace. Grace is what? Unmerited favor. Number two. Grace shines brighter when the offense is more. <laughs> oh, I love this. Grace shines brighter when the offense is more. Quick question. Imagine you had two friends, right? One friend, you wanted to go somewhere, you needed your tea fair, it was important, but your friend saw one nice um, parfait that they were selling on the side. I was like, ah, I don't have cash. Don't worry, I'll take the money. Took the money from your purse without asking you or your wallet, went to buy the parfait, and you were like, ah, oh, I'm ready to go home. I have all I need. <laughs> you check your purse, you check your wallet. Ah, uh -uh. uh -uh. sorry, did you see my, no, no, not. Okpe, did you see my 1,000 naira? Your, your, your what? Your 1,000, oh, that one. Ah. I was hungry, so I, I just, you know, perfect. And you are angry. But I told you that I had to go. How would I go home now? But I was and you're angry and angry. And they said, sorry now, sorry. 
I said, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. That person forgave, Abby, hopefully. <laughs> you forgave. But your other friend now went behind your back. There's this guy you've been crushing on. In fact, you guys just started dating. That friend now goes behind your back, starts a friendship with that person, shows all the attention and care to that person, and the person starts falling for your friend. Person now lies to you in your face. Then the person now told your boyfriend to ask you for money because maybe he's broke, he needs support. You now gave him the money, but that money was the money he used to now buy her Chanel bag or whatever. I've seen things in this life. Don't worry, it happens. It happens, I promise. And then you found out from a mutual friend that you and your friend are dating the same guy. <laughs> and then you found out it was chaotic. She was upset. And then truly she came repentant. Look, I am sorry. I don't know what came over me. I am sorry. You're my best friend. I don't know why I hurt. <laughs> and she was truly repentant. Like I know this could be the end of our friendship. Probably is. But forgive me. Please forgive me. And then your friend forgives. Who will appreciate the forgiveness more? The one who took 1,000 or the one who almost ruined your life? Answer now. You're not sure. So parfait is... <laughs> Ideally, the person who offended more would appreciate forgiveness once it's received. More. And Jesus gave that example when the, the lady with the alabaster box, who was Mary of Magdala, by the way, Mary Madeline, she came crying with her eyes. She, she wanted to offer some sacrifice. Do you understand? She wanted to atone for her sins, but all she had was her perfume. This is all I have. I don't have a lamb. I can't go to the temple because I'm not allowed there. But this is all I have. Forgive me. And Jesus looked at her. He, he didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care to be associated with a prostitute. He didn't care. And he asked these people, these Pharisees, he said, look, who will appreciate me more? Who will love me more? The one who I forgive little or the one who I forgive much? And that is the perspective of God. That no matter how terrible your sins have been, no matter how ugly your past has been, He loves you even much more. If you're going to scale it down, your sins are like a drop of water and His grace is the Pacific Ocean. Your sins are like a pebble on the mountain Everest of His love. Do you understand? His love covers a multitude of sin. Whenever you think of God's grace, think it is sufficient. It is more than my It shines in the midst of offense. Amen. Number three. If grace is not lavish, then it is not grace. Number three, if grace is not lavish, and lavish means it's similar to the word extravagant, where there's an abundance of it spent. It's similar to the word prodigal, where you spend. If it is not abundant, if it's not lavish, then it's not grace. I'm going to read Romans 5, verse 17 and 20, but before that, like, just think about it. When you think of the highest possible extreme of any good thing, you have to think that it's God. 
I'll give you an example. If there's anyone who will have peace more than anything or anyone in this world, it will be God. God is peace. In fact, the Prince of Peace. If you're thinking about joy, the Bible tells us how God laughs in heaven. He rejoices over us with singing. Hallelujah. When you think about love, if you're going to think about anyone who can love the most, you have to think God because God is love. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you think about patience, if you're going to talk about the person who is the most patient person in the world, do you understand? This concept came from him. The fruit of the Spirit came from God. Do you understand? So he is the extent. Oh. He is the extent of these qualities. Do you understand what I mean? He's the length and breadth. If you're going to think of the most patient person in the world, it has to be who? It's God. And the beautiful thing is that he's not just using that as something to lord over us. He's inviting us to share in that as well. That we will love like he loves. Be patient like he's patient. Do you understand? That's what the fruit of the spirits are. But I'm saying that to say this. When you think of grace and the abundance of it, think about God. If you're talking about where grace is at its most extreme, it's found in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says God is not slack as many count slackness, but he's patient, enduring, not willing that anyone perishes, but that all come to repentance. That's your God. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 17 to 20. Let's read this quickly. Verse 17 and 20, I beg your pardon. You know, even when you think about wisdom, James 1, 5 says, when you ask God for wisdom, he gives it generously, abundantly. Romans 8.32 says that if, if God was willing to give Christ, sacrifice his son, how would he not with him freely give you all things? There's so much abundance in God. When he gives gifts, he gives them in abundance. Are you there? Romans 5.17 and 20. It says, for if by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive what? The abundance, say the abundance of grace. Oh, and the free gift of, I love how the emphasis was there. Not the workings of righteousness, the, the free gift of righteousness. How would they not reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? Verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace what? Abounded all the more. Are you with me? Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And some of you, your radar is like, ah, this one, abundance grace, abundance grace. Are you sure? Ah, if it's so much now, is that not going to make me now be doing any hour? Shabby, grace is shining as I'm doing this one. We'll talk about that next week. Because people had that question when Paul preached this. The next chapter, they said, ah, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he said, God forbid. How shall we who were dead to sin live any longer to it? Oh, grace is everything, guys. Number four, grace drives repentance. I'll just read the scripture, Romans 2, verse 14. And it's, it's what we see in the encounter that Peter had with Jesus on the boat where he had fished. This was a man undeserving of grace. And somehow this man he met just that day brought him a huge... Do you see? When, think about it. Even the, the catch he got. If it was one just net full... That would have been great, but the, the catch they got was so much that the net was breaking. They had to call their brothers from the other side with their boats to come and pack. Oh, look at that. That was a picture of abundance. 
But Peter fell and said, no, Lord, don't, don't call him a sinner. He saw the goodness of God and that led him to repentance. Romans 2, 4. Or do you, not, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God does what? It leads you to repentance. It used to be me back in those days where I felt like the more scared you are of, of, of hell, the more likely you are to repent. For me, when I used to, I mean, back in the day, when I used to evangelize, it was scared tactical. If I can get you to Christ more and be afraid, I've done my job. Holy Spirit can move now. But that's not the case. It's goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, to make you cry, I don't deserve this. So why are you mindful of me? What is man that you are mindful of him? What, what am I? Why are you treating me? Why, some of you have expressed this in your life where sometimes even the, the days in your life where you are not the most consistent in your work with the Lord, somehow you are still just enjoying good things. The goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. And the last point, number five, we'll talk more about this next week. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not a license to sin, but a standard to meet or keep. Grace is not a license to sin, but a standard to keep. I read Romans 6.1 already. We're going to read this, Titus 2.11-15, and we'll close. If you are dozing off and the spirit of sleep is shaking your hand, please drop his hand now. Titus 2 from verse 11. Glory to God. One thing I want to train you to do, I think, to be honest with you, I think our services are pretty short. What do you think? Two hours, 30 minutes, and we're out. Very short. In an entire week. How many hours do we have in a week? Someone do the math. 168. That was very quick. <laughs> and we just spent two hours, 30 minutes together. I think... If there's any discipline I want to inculcate is if you study the Bible for three hours, you are still alert and, and, and ready to accept and receive. Are you with me? I want to build that discipline where there's no amount of time that's too much to study the Bible. Amen. Are you, are you with me? Let's read the screen together. I want to go. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This grace we have received is appeared to everyone. What does it say? It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So this grace that is so benevolent and abundant is also teaching you to do something. In the previous verse, go back. It says to deny what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's grace, this same grace. And verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14, pay attention here. Who gave himself for us? Hallelujah. Oh, I said, who gave himself for us? That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. So the product of grace is not to let you relax and say it's grace, I can't do anyhow. True grace produce, produces a zeal for righteousness. Where you're not trying to be righteous to look good to God. 
But now he's made you righteous and now you can live out that righteousness. Grace is sufficient. I want to speak that over all of you. See, grace is sufficient. I'm talking about the grace that forgives. It's, for, it's, it's sufficient. The grace that empowers. is the same word, charis. It, it's sufficient. Where Jesus spoke to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 and said, My grace is sufficient unto you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. It's the same grace. So the grace to be saved is abundant, but the grace to live like one who is saved is also abundant. Praise the name of Jesus. This is where you come in. I want you with all your heart now. And one thing I'm going to do for the rest of this series is I'm going to give an open call as much as we can to anyone who truly has not put faith in Jesus. Maybe your own life story, you've grown up in church all your life, but you never really understood what grace was. You never really understood what this Christianity thing was all about. You're just going to church, marking attendance, trying to look the part. But now you've seen grace. You've heard grace. And no matter how terrible you've been, no matter how your past has been, you can start new. The one who is in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. If that is you, and somehow in your spirit you've been convicted to start this journey with the Lord, to truly put faith in Him and His Son, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, I want you to just indicate. You can just lift your hands where you are. You're ready to start that journey. You're ready to put faith in Jesus Christ. You're ready to believe that He died was buried and was resurrected to justify you from your sins if that's you let me just see your hands i'll just wait for a few seconds thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus all right i see you thank you is it okay if i ask you to join me in front it okay it's it's a beautiful thing you're doing thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much lord thank you for your daughter thank you for her life thank you because you died for her you loved her when she was nothing. You loved her when she rebelled against you. You still love her even now. We boast in your love today. Lord, I ask truly as she has believed in her heart, as she's about to make these confessions, thank you because you accept her. Thank you because heaven is rejoicing right now, <laughs> celebrating this person ready to start this journey for real this time ready to love you and be loved by you ready to put our hands to the plow ready to live for you not walk in her past truly as your word says if any man be in christ they're a new creature all things have passed away behold all things have become new pray that is the testimony of your life so just say this with me lord thank you because even though I have messed up, even though I have sinned against you, you still love me. I believe that you died, that you were buried, 
and that you rose again to forgive me of all my sins. So thank you because I've been forgiven. Thank you because I'm, I'm accepted into your family. Thank you because your Holy Spirit now dwells inside of me. From here on out, I will live for you. My past is gone and my future is in you. I am preserved from the, the activities of the enemy. I will live for you all my days. And I will live for you with ease, full of grace. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.